0: I'm Michelle Boyd, ex-careerist turned work-enriching life advocate. After experiencing burnout and craving more meaning, I walked away from my career of 15 years to reconnect to myself and design a work life I love. Welcome to The Well Podcast, all about work-enriching life. A place for droplets of inspiration, ideas to lift you up and make you feel, well, well, Tune in to hear my guests share their work evolution experiences and mindset hacks from me, your host, trained coach, hypnotherapist, and meditation teacher, and founder of Floetic. Let's get started. My guest today is Cam Scott, who's a street and gallery artist and diversified maker who goes under the name of NotNot. He was born in New York City, but grew up in Sydney's eastern suburbs, where you can see his street art all over the community. He studied fine art at the University of New South Wales, and has been exhibited in numerous shows both here and abroad. Predominantly working with reflective and transparent materials, his unconventional printmaking practice merges digital and analogue processes. He's an artist, a surfer, and an inventor. You may know his digital reality street art, which he talks about in his TEDx talk and in his new book. He's also the creator of Sonny's Eyewear and more. In today's episode, we chatted about living as an artist outside of societal norms, Cam's many inventions, and the value of community exchange projects, including his North Bondi board share. Hi, Cam. I'm really excited to have you here with me today on the World Podcast. As am I. Thank you so much for joining me. Um, And the reason I wanted you to come join me today is because lots of people want to live a creative life. Lots of people want to be an artist or take their own creative endeavors and work from them. Um, And yet a lot of people are uncomfortable doing that or they don't think it's possible. And I also did a podcast with a woman called Catherine Hiller about six, seven weeks ago, and she's a full-time artist in Melbourne. She does these beautiful paintings, and she's so successful and so happy, and it was one of my most popular ones. Oh, so I thought, hey, let's get you on. And you're obviously a slightly different type of artist, and you can tell us a bit about your life and your experience and how you're kind of creating your work life that you that you love. Sounds good. Sounds good, hey? Cool. So, look, my first question that I love to ask everybody is, um, what did you want to be when you grew up? And how far are you from that today?
1: I wanted to be an inventor. So yeah, I remember like drawing a weird little self-portrait in like a primary school textbook with me with like the white lab coat and like test tubes in my hand. Um, So maybe not so much on that like scientific side of the spectrum, but Yeah. yeah, I still like make things. Um, some of them I guess you could call inventions because I know I make weird surfboards that I guess no one's made before or Sunnies that are a bit different to the norm. So yeah, I, I guess I'm mm. inventing things just maybe more on like the artistic side and the creative side rather than the scientific.
0: Mm. Well I guess invention at its core is a creative Activity Because you're coming up with something new, right? Mm. So tell us a bit more about your surfboards. I know I've seen you making them, but I never know quite what you're up to.
1: (laughs) Sorry about the noise, by the way. Um, Yeah, so I really like finless surfing, which is kind of like a weird offshoot, I guess, of like Mm. what people understand of surfing. But uh, yeah, initially, I guess surfing was born from the ancient Hawaiian alayas, which were just like pieces of wood, tree trunks that these guys carved down into like thin planks, and allowed them to surf waves without fins it's where it all began and lately there's been a bit of a resurgence in that style of surfing mm. um guys like tom wagner and other people have really popularized uh popularized uh finless surfing and i kind of fell in love because i actually grew up bodyboarding and it's kind of like really? a similarity there so yeah, um, I take uh, polonia wood, which is like very buoyant and suitable to um, being made into surfboards and then mm. add foam to it because as much as I love just riding like a thin piece of wood, mm. it's a bit hard to catch like any more than three waves because your arms start blowing up and you get really <laughs> tired. Imagine just like swimming with a piece of wood, like bobbing around underneath you. It's kind of tricky. So yeah, mm-hmm. started trying to think of ways for those like same type of boards to be Made easier for people, more buoyant, more durable, more um, fun to ride. So, yeah, uh, they're definitely, like, not as good as the guys like Tom Wagner and those kind of ones, mm. but um, I'm taking them in, yeah, some pretty weird and wonderful directions, and I really enjoy doing that.
0: And are you making them into any particular shape, or are you playing with the actual kind of the shape of the nose and the tail? or
1: Yeah, every that- board is different. Uh, I kind of like to, I guess, push things outside of the norm if I can. So mm. there's ones with like weird fat rounded tails and, um, ones that look like kind of dragged out bodyboards or, um, I even made a Christmas tree, which is, probably what you like heard the most noise <laughs> yes, of the other I day so <laughs> uh, just for
0: context me and cam live in the same building so i see a lot of his creative endeavors happening in the garden but i'm not really sure what he's up to
1: <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that was for the qt hotel they wanted the christmas tree made and um it was actually like based around these uh, surfboards that i make and leave for the community. So. Uh, After making like the basis for this Christmas tree, I realized that some of them actually look kind of surfable, despite them being based on like, yeah, longboard (laughs) shapes and all kinds of weird things that you wouldn't necessarily associate with finless surfing. So yeah, I ended up taking some of those like plywood bunning surfboards out for a little wave and they worked pretty well. Oh, nice.
0: (laughs) And so for anyone who's listening who doesn't know Cam, he's a really awesome surfer. So you, you can see videos of him just spinning around in circles on his finless surfboards on his Instagram account so you should definitely definitely check that out um so I'd love to hear more about the sunglasses and stuff in a minute but I'm really interested to hear a bit more about your background and so you've been working as an artist for a decade round and about yeah yeah so tell us about your sort of your background and how you got into it and how you got started
1: uh I would have been pretty young like it definitely wasn't a conscious decision at the age of 12 to say I'm Mm. gonna be an artist but um (laughs) I was bored and the surf was probably like pretty terrible so (laughs) what else can I do exactly yeah started um cutting cheesy Marilyn Monroe stencils and putting them up around Tamarama and Bronte and stuff like that when you were 12 yeah like just I don't know very simple one layer fluoro pink like <laughs> portraits, which were very embarrassing in retrospect. But um, yeah, I found that really satisfying and enjoyable. And there's something about like working in public space that not only like gives you a bit of adrenaline and gets to like um, a bit of excitement, sorry, ah, excitement going, but um, yeah, I have kind of continued that passion for art making ever since. So Aside from just doing those like more public art uh, focused projects, I've studied at uni, so I was really interested in media and studied that at UNSW, but then also did a printmaking course or like degree at um, COFA, which is the fine arts college on Oxford Street. Mm. And then, yeah, after uni, I guess I was kind of torn between, I don't know, doing like a marketing kind of profession, Mm. job, career, whatever that may be, and did some roles along those lines, but then always just continued making art alongside because that's what I was passionate about and Mm. yeah I guess the like more marketing focused side of my life uh, media has informed a lot of my art but definitely like fallen away in terms of what I do Mm. on a daily basis because yeah um, I managed to make a bit of a living out of the artworks I make so it's good. Yeah
0: and I guess I'm really interested in that bit is what was that kind of moment where you went actually I don't want to work in these sort of more traditional marketing roles, etc., and I'm going to full-time be an artist. How did you kind of make that transition and make that work? Because I think that's what a lot of people worry about, actually.
1: Yeah, definitely. I was quite fortunate in that maybe I didn't have those really strong tethers to the media marketing landscape that a lot of other people mm-hmm. do and not so much of the um, restraints in terms of, like, I don't have a small child depending on me to yeah. <laughs> stay in that role. Um, but... Uh, yeah, it was definitely not so much a conscious decision, just happened organically over time. Mm. Um, yeah, I remember doing just like sporadic things for like smaller periods that I'd work for the Iconic, for example, in their like Mm. offline marketing, um, team. And that was during university and then a bit after university. And then I realized that I just had to like prioritize other things. So that fell away. And then I would do like six months roles for festivals and stuff like that and really enjoyed them. Mm. But um, yeah, I guess those roles just like started being more and more spaced out. And um, yeah, I, I do work casually at the MCA, but that's kind of not so much within that side of uh, my knowledge basis, I guess. It's just like something to keep uh, the time between invoices like a bit more regular because, yeah, uh, as much as I would like to say like full-time artists, Uh, that's all I do I just get a bit worried um, not having that like constant income coming in Um, and yeah it just makes things a lot more comfortable and the MCA is a lovely place to be so it is that's the Museum of Contemporary Art in um, The Rocks so yeah it's
0: a beautiful spot and you have a book don't you and is that that book's available at the MCA it is yeah tell us about your book
1: so I've been doing this series um, a public series of street art for the last like I don't know five years called Digital Realities and yeah I guess it all evolved from this, um, interest or, um, constant effects that I, I like to make work, whatever is like interesting or affecting me the most, I think. And yeah, for, uh, the last five years, that's definitely been social media and digital technologies. And I feel like a lot of other people are feeling those kind of pressures and maybe even addictions. So yeah, kind of, um, expanded from there on a more like personal and everyday experience to other things, be it like artificial intelligence effect on the art world and whether I don't know tech giants are more powerful than nation states these days and yeah so like I guess more like a outside the individual focus to a more expansive one. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I've taken all those um, works and ideas and concepts and put them into a book. So, yeah, I had a couple of friends ask me, like, is this the end of the digital reality series? <laughs> I'm like, no, I still find it really interesting. Just the and beginning. <laughs> exactly, yeah. And I, like, find it so endlessly fascinating that it's hard for me to imagine, like, that um, side of my practice ever stopping. But, mm. yeah, it's nice to have all those, like, ideas and concepts, like, consolidated into a single thing, especially yeah. a physical one because it's all pretty nebulous and digital these days that I guess a lot of the way in which most people interact with my work is on these very same platforms. So it's nice mm. to be able to like offer them something outside of the yeah tech dominance.
0: It's 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 funny because I had seen, and for anyone listening who doesn't know Cam's digital reality, um, am I saying that right? Digital reality yeah, yeah, you know, stuff is it, it's all the um, the skeletons with the little like the Instagram like, like yeah. signs and stuff. And I've been seeing them for years. When I used to work and used to go into the city on the bus and I'd see them up at Bondi Junction on the side of, you know, various bits on the side of the road. And I was Mm -hmm. just like, that's quite cool. What's that? And I never realized it was obviously your stuff because we've never spoken about it. And then I see it everywhere and it just keeps popping up. You're so prolific because I walk around Bondi and I'm like, gosh, you've been busy. There's more over here or there's more over there.
1: Yeah, definitely prolific in Bondi, I maybe mean, not so much outside of the bubble because yeah, I guess I'm a bit wants lazy. To travel. Exactly that when you are using like giant silk screens, it's probably best to keep it local because yeah. Mm. Also, um, I'm quite cautious about where I put work in public space because I never really came from a graffiti background or anything like that. Like yeah. tagging people's houses is kind of unimaginable for me. So it's not cool. Yeah, unless I'm quite familiar with the space and know that. It would be kind of appropriate for me to have work there. I would enrich that space. Um, yeah, it kind of takes a bit of forethought, and mm. just to go to a new suburb and whack something up kind of doesn't allow you that. So yeah, um, I guess that's another reason aside from my great laziness that I haven't gone outside of London.
0: <laughs> and excuse my ignorance with this question because I don't know how this works. Is it? Are you able to just go out and pop that around the place, or do you have to get some sort of permission from? the council or how does it actually work with street art
1: yeah, it's a bit of a gray area i'd say i try and exaggerate the gray but um yeah. <laughs> initially Waverley council did actually um hire me to do some of the traffic utility boxes which a lot of my work is on mm. um so those weird like gray or blue or whatever color boxes usually next to traffic lights um the council to stop posters going up on them a mm. couple of years ago has encouraged local artists to Painting them, printing them in my case, um, and prevent those posters from coming up, which they have to remove and spend time and money doing so. Has it worked? I think so. Yeah, it depends on like how much the bill posters respect the art that's on there in a weird way. Yeah. Um so but that yeah, grey area. Again. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was really thankful for that commission and I've kind of taken that as an approval to do every and all boxes in the local area instead of just the three they actually like are recommended that I do so yeah um I've definitely done a lot of those around and abouts and then for anything outside of um yeah those specific boxes it's definitely illegal but (laughs) (laughs) um I like to think that yeah, if you do really feel that you're making a space more interesting, improving mm. it for the general public to find interest or aesthetic beauty in, then, um, yeah, you do have some kind of, um, I don't know, uh, sure footing to stand on if you believe that. Whereas, yeah, I guess graffiti culture and all that kind of stuff kind of is about taking space and bravado and making, uh, that public arena their own by writing their name on it. Whereas, um, yeah, I guess my perspective is trying to just make things better because I always find it really interesting that people are so accepting of advertising and other messaging in that public space and they have no approval over it whatsoever. Yeah. And, yeah, in some people's minds, that advertising for whatever terrible coal company it may be uh, um, has more of a right to be there than an artist trying to make the space better and not mm. manipulate you in some weird way. Um, so yeah, like I find like those kind of discussions really interesting, but for the most part, if I was to go to court as a result of doing something, I doubt, um, yeah, a judge that would, would see that. <laughs> yeah. I
0: agree with you though, because you do have everything shoved in your face all the time. Mm. Um, and yet the nature of certainly your street art is much more kind of thought provoking and interesting. And I have to say my favorite, um, bits that you've done is yep. the bumblebees. That are outside the yeah. good one and Harry's. I I look at them every day when I walk past them, and I think they're so cool. I really like. They do enhance the space, in yeah.
1: my opinion. So aside from the slightly morbid aesthetics of some other series, <laughs> it's nice to do something like a bit more fun and mm. uh, maybe like focus for like community and local kids and that kind of stuff. Because yeah, I guess I can get a bit. Um, introspective and i don't know a bit depressing sometimes if you're always trying mm. to like encourage people to think about their like digital usage and all this kind of stuff rather than them walking past and thinking like oh that's like a fun little bumblebee next to a hexagon <laughs> that's
0: <laughs> the one i love the most hey? yeah. <laughs> That's a lot so you work under the name not not mm. can you tell us how that came about and kind of what that that means
1: Uh, Well, initially I wasn't really signing any of my work. Mm -hmm. Uh, I just put it up there and quite liked being anonymous. And then some of my friends encouraged me to actually start signing it because, yeah, I guess they thought maybe I might be able to make something out of these little public works I Mm do. And then I started just writing Cam Scott underneath, which they were very sure that I was an idiot for doing so because of all the legalities I just talked about. Um, but I kind of had that mentality that if you do really stand by your work and believe yeah. it has a right to be there, then you should be able to put your name to mm. it and not, um, feel so concerned about doing so. But yeah, they eventually won out. And, um, that's where not not came from. Yeah. This kind of trail of breadcrumbs to the old double negative pseudonym that allows it to like tie not not and Cam Scott together. Mm. But, um, yeah, I can go into all kinds of deeper meaning about. How we understand the world and whether it's all about opposites and like what is and what isn't, but I won't go there. (laughs) Not Not, not
0: today. Um, So, like, a lot of what I do is working with clients to help them explore how they can design a work life that they love and a real kind of lifestyle rather than this sort of being this block of time that they have at work separate from the rest of their life and becomes mm. that thing where it's sort of like, oh, I've got to go to work and it's not something that they, they enjoy. So, you know, you're working with so many different things. Has it been a conscious decision to kind of design your lifestyle and your, your work in this way, or has it just sort of naturally flown?
1: So, yeah, initially, definitely more organic. Mm. Um, I just tried to pursue anything that I had an interest or a passion for in the greatest way I could. Mm. Um, and that'd be alongside like finding ways to make money, obviously, but then I feel like if you really focus on it you can find ways to turn those like things that you have interest in into something that can sustain you. So I guess looking back, um, art was always one of those. Making weird surfboards became one of those that Mm. people like started asking me, hey man, can I get one of those boards as well? And he started making the boards that way. Sunnies was definitely more of a conscious decision.
0: Tell us about the sunnies because I don't know much about the sunnies. (laughs) The
1: sunnies are pretty funny in that I had this like massive collection that so many just sat on my shelves, never getting worn. And because mm-hmm. I quite like to do things with my hands and, like, make um, anything I can, really, yeah. I started taking the ones that never got worn and reshaping the lenses and editing the frames and trying to make them, I guess, more interesting. And then those, like, hand-shaped designs proved pretty popular, so I started getting them made overseas. Yeah, and... Um, I've really enjoyed that process because I knew nothing about retail, but Pat, who you might know in the surf shop just up the road was really helpful in that way and gave me a lot of advice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's
0: sunburnt mess. If anybody wonders which surf shop we're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: the best surf shop in Bondi. Right? Absolutely. <laughs> <Little plug. laughs> um, in any case. Yeah. Uh, I did some work with Fred Hollows previous to making the sunnies. Um, they're a charity that tries to end avoidable blindness. Mm. So by offering eye surgeries around the world, um, they uh, return people's sight, and they're such lovely people to work with that um, after that Vivid installation, which I helped them out for, finished, I decided that $5 for every pair of Sunny, so will go directly to them. Um, and it's such, like, a lovely way uh, for me to, like, feel good about this, like, blatantly consumerist thing that I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah, I have really enjoyed, like, turning that um, – passion and collection that I had for Sonny's into something that, yeah, does actually earn me a bit of money and allows me to like continue that passion, like outside of like, whatever it may be, markets and online and wholesaling and stuff like that.
0: That's really cool. And so do you just sell them through a website or are they
1: stocked yeah. anywhere else or? So, um, online, uh, dot com and then MCA, Sunburnt Mess, a couple other stores in Melbourne, And then, yeah, I did my first markets, at least in Bondi, uh, Mm -hmm. last weekend.
0: Oh, nice. It was
1: 40 degrees (laughs) and I wasn't melting. (laughs) It's a day for it. Yeah, but, um, yeah, it actually went pretty well. Oh, fantastic.
0: Mm. I love it. I love it. So, um... You're also doing hats, aren't you? Surf hats? Yeah. Is that something new? I saw that pop up the other that day. That was
1: very recent. Um, so similar, many
0: inventions. Yeah.
1: So uh, I hate having a chin strap around my chin. It's just not cool,
0: is it? <laughs> well, aside
1: from like the aesthetics of it, I find it just a bit frustrating. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, uh, there's this legionnaire's hat. Do you know legionnaire's hat? They're like... In Australia oh. called No Hat No Play hats Because you have to wear them Oh um,
0: yeah the ones that come around the back That yeah. you sort of expect like an old man who's fishing to be
1: wearing Yes exactly yes, those ones. So yeah, yeah. they have like a lot of <laughs> associations With like primary school in Australia Because you kind of had to wear them when you went to like a oh. Recess or lunch yeah. Um, So yeah I started wearing them in the surf And a lot of other people do But they don't really have anything to like keep it on your head If a wave happens to take you out So added a little lanyard to the back That connects to the wetsuit zip and, um, yeah, it just allows you to like Super keep it all connected, clever. but, um, <laughs> not have to deal with like a big old chin strap and, uh, yeah, definitely not, um, I know something about invest too much time in going forward because it is a pretty weird and, um, maybe not so lucrative <laughs> business, but, um, yeah, it's something fun that I can do and I can still find interest in.
0: You might want to make them cool.
1: Yeah, well, I've printed a few for Pat. And they've got the logo on there and he thinks oh, like... Oh, nice. um, It's always funny seeing people's reactions, whether it like dredges up some childhood memory and they're like, oh, I really Ooh. want one. or it's like, dude, that thing is fucked. <laughs> <laughs> so it's almost
0: like you've got somebody sorted for the beach. You can give them a surfboard, you can give them a hat and you can give them a pair of sunnies. <laughs>
1: yeah, I guess like a lot of my interests like, <laughs> are around the beach in some ways. So, yeah. well,
0: you, um, are, you are from this area, aren't you? You're born and bred...
1: Oh Bondi. born um in New, York, I born but in New York. Came here when I was like zero, so very much a much, yeah. And yeah, it's always been like around the eastern beaches, so mm. yeah. I guess I could say not so much born bread. How yeah,
0: <laughs> about Bondi, Bondi boy now?
1: Yeah, well it's more tamarama and bronte growing up, but then um yeah, during uni I moved to Redfern and really enjoyed like being in the inner city, mm. putting up lots of work there and being surrounded by friends who share houses and um, yeah, I found it very exciting just to be in that like, kind of uni, going out mentality. But then that finished up and I found myself in a dark share house in Redford and thought, <laughs> what the hell am I doing here? <laughs> back to the beach. <laughs> back to the beach. I'm, yeah, I'm just a much happier person yeah. when I'm by the ocean.
0: That's fair enough. I, I feel the same. And I'm interested actually around the the creative process because you sort of obviously you go into the MCA, but you work kind of independently. Mm. Where do you look to for inspiration and how you come up with your ideas and, and develop the work that you do?
1: Um, inspiration is a tough one because, yeah, to say that like you have this like lightning bolt of an idea and like that's what gives you the inspiration um, doesn't always work that way. So I do find myself even at the MCA like standing in a room surrounded by artworks like trying to think of ways of representing things visually. Um, so be it like a concept that I find interesting like Mm. digital micro targeting and advertising that the effects that has on Mm. democracy and political candidates and all these kind of issues um how do i represent that visually quite tough to like summarize all those intricacies in something like a 2d form so yeah i wouldn't say like that is so much of like a process of finding inspiration but more just like working out the nuts and bolts of like representing something in an artistic way. Um, but there are moments where, um, yeah, those kind of, like, ideas just come to you, whether you see, like, something in your environment that, mm-hmm. like, spurs on another idea. Um, because, yeah, as much as we are all like to t- think that we have this incredible original idea that no one's ever done before, mm-hmm. we invent something new. Yeah, I think that, like, idea can actually be really detrimental. And yeah. it's all things come from our environment. And it's only, like, you interpret them and making them new that actually um yeah, causes new mm. things to come to life and yeah it's your
0: yeah. lens more than the the subject matter itself it's just your take on it that brings the freshness to the conversation exactly. or the idea yeah
1: and yeah. like i think the whole idea of like the original can be really detrimental that mm. people get like so caught up in whether it is or it isn't and yeah i would go into like all kinds of stuff about how romanticism created the idea of the original and before that people understood that like co and like um ways of seeing the world in regards to like being able to take something and make it new and reinvent it um was just a much more like a beneficial way to like view everything but um
0: tell us more about that i'm interested uh, Go on. so tell us interesting
1: more. like uh so, like, the idea of the original only really came out during, like, the romanticism period. Mm. And, um, Which is
0: terrible for our love lives as
1: well. Exactly. It's just a terrible period. And our whole of
0: expectations <laughs> of what love is like.
1: <laughs> Strike it from the history books. Um, but uh, it was also the Gutenberg Press that started kind of um, imbuing this idea of copies being a pejorative. It's, like, a terrible thing to, like, taste something and make it again and again and again mm. because... All of a sudden, that initial thing is seen as less valuable, hmm. but um, actually, although like that was the first like physical copying, if you will, that didn't take like years to something like by hand, I guess, um, that's how we've always learned and generated things by taking a word that you heard someone say and put it in your own sentence and making it new in that way. So it's a shame that, um, for so long people have like taken the idea of copying as a pejorative, but it is just like something that is so in- essential to the way we learn and expand who we are. Um, so yeah, I think, um, it was, I don't know, some Roman scholar that brought this idea of copia and like how, um Rhetoric is formed, but um, I've forgotten all my strange rant on this <laughs> anyway. So <laughs> it's
0: all good. It's just funny because as you're talking about this, and I'm thinking back to your your uh, digital um, project as well. Is actual social media is the place where we see more copying than ever. There's just so much kind of thieving of content, and people take stuff and pass it off as their own, and it's it's actually everywhere.
1: Yeah, the whole like copy and paste culture has become so prolific, but um yeah I think there is a slight difference between just like taking something uh presenting it with no changes no yeah. alterations just putting your name to it obviously that's terrible because how else will artists make money yeah. but the idea of taking something and putting your own spin on it reinventing it putting it in a different context even um mm. is something that is really valuable and I wish mm. more people would like see that value as opposed to trying to make some connection to like something that looks similar in the past and seeing less value in whatever that initial thing is because yeah, like uh, that's just how we Mm. develop ideas and aesthetics and all kinds of things.
0: And I always think, like when I look at art, sometimes I look at it and I'm just totally face value and I'm just like, that looks pretty or I like the colors or I like the shape or et cetera. And then other times you look at it and you're like, what are they trying to communicate? Like what's Mm. sitting behind this? Have you ever had a situation where you've created something and then the way that it's been received and interpreted has been just not fitted with what you were trying to communicate? Oh,
1: definitely. Yeah. And I guess that's a great worry for an artist that they'll create something and people will see something that they really didn't want to communicate within that yeah. work, but that's kind of the, the great value of art that people interpret it in different ways and find mm-hmm. meaning and readings that the artist never would have imagined, but it's just not ideal and the artist, like, really didn't want someone to see something. <laughs> <laughs> For example, that first, like, digital realities work. Um, yeah, people immediately saw it as some indictment of technology and that, like... Oh, right,
0: Yeah. yeah
1: technology is the devil and social media is hell and like weird like alt-right christian readings of like social media uh, i was just like oh god i have to like write something about this to i guess like mm. try and control um how people view it or like restrict some of those like more out there readings um and i found that i really enjoyed like writing about like that mm. particular work so i've kind of kept that up i never used to enjoy writing but um yeah, I definitely have um, had that experience and it led to some other form of creation that I never would have tried otherwise. So I guess there is a positive to come out of like yeah. those kind of weirdly um, awful like ways of reading my work.
0: <laughs> well, I guess once you've burst it and you've put it out there, you actually can't control it.
1: Yeah. It just takes on
0: a life of its own. And I know when I saw the first ones of those, I just thought it was around people chasing likes. That was my because mm. it felt like they were pleading for these.
1: Praying the, for this yeah. like, digital like, validation. So I
0: was like, it's something to do with that. But, you know, I didn't, I didn't sort of have any more thoughts on it at that time. But there's obviously, you know, the street art and that kind of stuff. And then there's the more sort of really in the community stuff. So mm. you are responsible for the North Bondi board share. Yeah. Tell us about that.
1: Um, well, making boards and always being, um, yeah, completely enamored with foam surfboards. I've just had like a massive collection, much like Sunny's mm. that, um, yeah, I really hate to see go to waste. So yeah. there were so many like foam boards that had like something wrong with them, something broken, something not mm. quite right that I try and fix up and like recycle the board to be used again. Uh, and so many would just fill up various little like storage nooks that I have that I was like, okay, like, despite this being usable again, I'm probably not going to use it very often. Yeah. So I should really just like take this and Share the love. strap it to a fence in North Bondi <laughs> and see if people like actually keep it. And, um, yeah, this like weird little form of community custodianship has worked out really well because the first one I think lasted for six months. Okay. And, um, yeah, I was pretty blown away as a result. I thought it'd be like nicked or taken yeah. in like a day or two and then yeah and so from that-
0: when it died did it or did it die or did it escape at six months like when oh it it's goes- always impossible we to don't die. know yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> um so yeah i should probably explain that um i take these like old foamies that i've like brought back to life strap it to a fence in um north bondi which is just above the kids pool and write like north bondi Shareboard yours to rip in return please jump to the fence mm. The text often comes off pretty quick, so there is a yeah. great like um, sympathy that I have for anyone that like stumbles across this board and is like, well, well, maybe I'll just take this one, <laughs> <Fair enough. laughs> which has definitely happened a couple of times, and I've like yeah. stumbled across that same person who has that board of mine. And you're but like, um, hey, <laughs> yeah, um, it is so lovely just seeing someone like unstrap it, go for a wave, yeah. or just like have a muck around in the kids' pool because, yeah, it's not often yeah. that um, I guess a community has that kind of like. sense of like community custodianship over something that usually it's like, um, put on the council or something like that. Mm -hmm. But whenever I see like a community garden or like a book sharing deposit, I do feel that like strange sense of, um, I know, like shared value in whatever it may be. So
0: I love it because I feel that we've got to this place now in our society where everybody has to own everything individually. Mm. And so we have houses that are just full of stuff that we don't use that often. Like, for example, my camping stuff, I probably only use it three times a year and then it sits in the cupboard, right? And so you share it with your friends that might want to borrow it. Yeah. But I feel like there's so much stuff that we could just share more communally if everybody would take care of it and then we wouldn't have to keep mass producing so much and definitely. spending so much money and owning so much stuff and taking up so much space in our homes and mm. so i i love it that it's it's down there
1: and i think that a whole idea is definitely taking off that i've seen various stories about community sheds where they loan camping equipment mm. and power tools and all those kind of things that people have given them and they kind of yeah. help like streamline that um but yeah i wish uh that kind of mentality would be more widespread because there's definitely this increasing um, like pull towards like individualization that you're at Mm -hmm. home and everything's being catered to you, your preferences and what you like to watch have become individualized instead of like sharing a moment on television with everyone at the same time. Your like consumerist behaviors are being catered to you, be it through like online advertising or whatever it may be. And yeah, there Mm -hmm. is like an increasing – um, shrinking of that like uh, commons the like idea that like there are these spaces yeah. and um, values and items that kind of uh, create that commonality mm. between everyone whether it is just as simple as like going to Woolies and seeing strangers as opposed to like getting delivery yeah. sent to you I, I'm really encouraging everyone as much as they can to like spend time with strangers get out there nice. and experience your local community because that's what it, Brings us all together in the end. Yeah, 100%. Yeah.
0: And those algorithms as well, because they keep serving you more of what it is that you want, they keep us even closer in our lanes because we don't end up with this wider perspective because we just get more of all the same stuff that we've been seeing before. You're not
1: exposed to anything. So it's
0: it's actually, it's so detrimental. Yeah. I like If I could sign out from all of this stuff and not, not get any of it anymore and like feel like I'm making my own choices again because I'm actually seeing everything, I think that would be... Great, but I don't know how to do that.
1: Yes, but it's so hard to like, oh, like at least discard the inherent mm. like value of having everything simplified and made easier because that's, I guess, the goal of all technologies is to make our lives easier and better. Yeah, and, uh, but the- easier
0: sometimes is not as interesting and it's not as vivid or as colourful. Or
1: I agree, but I hate to be that guy. it's like guys like. As I said before, like, damn, technology is making our lives, like, so isolated. There are inherent benefits, but, um, I feel like Mm -hmm. I just have to say those things every now and again so I don't seem like a Luddite.
0: Yeah, (laughs) so true. And there was, there was, uh, just the last thing on the North Bondi board chair, there was one that escaped up the road on a bus this week, wasn't there? But it came back. Yes,
1: that was a funny one. (laughs) Um, so as I said before, I never know whether it's like the council taking them because they're like, Strewn across the sand, and they clean the sand, so that can cause hassle for the council. Yeah, or it's just like local groms wanted to themselves. But yeah. yeah, a friend whilst <laughs> I was at the MCA sent me a photo of this guy on a train, definitely like nowhere near because I didn't recognise the train station mm. with one of the share that disappeared like a month or two ago. What so a I, cheeky
0: bugger! What
1: a cheeky bugger! I ran outside of work <laughs> and called my mate and said, "Hey, man, you still with that guy on the train?" He's like, "Yeah." And I said, do you mind putting me on speakerphone? So he ran up to the guy, put me on speakerphone, and I gave him a bit of a spray. Love it! Uh, um, yeah, it was pretty funny. But um, I assumed the guy was just going to say, yeah, I'm sorry, and then continue like to keep the board to himself as an individual, making yeah. everything about like yeah. his own selfish needs rather than the community. But the legend brought it back almost a day later, and now it's strapped to that same fence. Pretty amazing um, because... I guess the board's just like on a daily basis restore my faith in humanity and just Mm. make me feel like so good about people in general. Yes. And it's such a, like a lovely redeeming thing to see a guy nick a board, (laughs) feel a bit guilty and then bring it back back. immediately because yeah, I see him as completely redeemed. (laughs)
0: 100%. (laughs) Mm. Oh, I love it. So is there anything that you wish you'd known about being an artist Before you became an artist So if anyone's listening And they're thinking about it Is there any kind of tips You'd give them And say Know about this Or be aware of this Or this is not what you think
1: Yeah Uh, I guess like To stand against Societal pressures Has been um, A bit more Of an uphill battle Than I Mm. thought I always knew that It might not be The most lucrative Or stable Path to go down And Mm. I thought I don't need Heaps of cash Or stability Mm. So I should be sweet But just the fact that um, so much of society tells you to be a certain way, uh, live a certain way, like um, have these kind of ways of living that fit within the broader society that are very subtle and no one ever explicitly tells you that. But it's just mm. like how, um, I guess, uh way of living is shaped that, yeah, it's kind of hard to stand against. You really do feel like you're out there on a limb a lot of the time. Yeah. And I never would have thought that it would have affected me because, yeah, I was pretty like happy in the way I was living but mm-hmm. yeah it's so hard to avoid like those comparisons to people who do have really stable like f- yeah. life and like a very structured um formulaic um way of living that was like very I don't know I don't know not attracted to me initially and Mm. now increasingly i'm like oh wouldn't that be nice to not have to like constantly worry about my station or like that kind of stuff but yeah those are the comparisons i guess anyone would tell you not to make yeah Uh, and yeah like i never really thought it would affect me in Mm. such a big way but yeah i guess maybe as i get older and so many of my friends are like having kids and buying houses and those kind of things i guess it's like more impactful but um yeah i'd say if you are willing to go down this um, more creative way of living, be prepared to have those kind of um, subtle society societal pressures impinge on you because, yeah, they yeah. are um, definitely present.
0: Yeah, it's all that sort of subtle programming that we don't even know yeah. that we have. And I was chatting to this guy recently that I just met and he was saying how unhappy he was in his job and he wanted to do something else. And obviously that's what I help people with. And I was mm. like, you know, you don't, you don't have to have like a nine to five job. Mm. I was like, I've not had one for 10 and a half years now and I've never been happier. There you go. And he was literally, it was like this, like you could see in his face, it was like pshh, mind blown because <laughs> yeah. it's like, never considered that as a concept just because what you do is you go to uni and you get a job and you work for somebody and you pay into your super and then you kind of follow this kind of trajectory of what you're supposed to mm. do. Um, but it can be so fun to break out of that.
1: Oh, it's, I'd say it's like the best way you can live because yeah. it offers variety and like all the things that really in terms of our like natural way of being, uh, how we lived like 10,000 years ago, and yeah. they suit our physiology in that way. But um, yeah, it is very much outside the norm in contemporary society. So yeah, just be prepared to be outside the norm. It's like a pretty um, strange place to be a lot of the time mm. and you have to be like quite strong to – Um, situate yourself uh yeah, in a different way to a lot of other people. So yeah, just be Mm. prepared for that, I guess is the only thing that I would throw that
0: out to you. Well, I see you run past my window with your surfboard so many times a day with a massive smile on your face (laughs) that I'm like, he's pretty happy.
1: (laughs) I am, I am. (laughs)
0: Actually this is my my second to last question I have to ask you. I always want to ask a surfer this. Why is it that once you give a surfer a surfboard, they they run to the beach and they run along the beach.
1: Uh, there's a number of reasons. I'd say (laughs) excitement is the main one that people are just like, so excited to start getting those waves at any time wasted. Getting to the beach is just time Mm -hmm. you're not on a wave. So why not like speed that up? At least the other one for me is that I'm skin and bones and I'm usually Mm -hmm. pretty cold in the water. So by running there, you at least get some heat going before you get in the water. That's at least one for me and maybe it is for other people. Um, and yeah, the other one is just—it's nice to run. It's nice Walking to run. Boring. No one likes to walk. You.
0: <laughs> so I think we've just found your next invention, which is if you could invent something that actually kept you warm in the water. Because this is my problem. Mm. It doesn't matter how much neoprene I put on. Yeah. And I've got and I've got good neoprene that fits me properly. I'm always cold. So if you could mm. find some way,
1: interesting to keep Maybe like us warm, synthetic whale blubber smeared all over ourselves. I mean. I,
0: roll with that, see what you go with that. But yeah, try and try and create that in the garden because I'd like yeah. to see what you come up with then. And I'm happy to test it on okay. my massive, great, big foam surfboard that's over <laughs> there in the corner. Um, so look, you've got obviously lots of fun stuff happening, but like what's what's next for you? And I know you're not going to tell us which corner of Bondi you're going to be popping something in because that's not how it works. But yeah, what are you up to? What should we keep an eye out for?
1: Um, well, more gallery context work, actually. So mm. I've always had this like... Very, at least I'm um, fortunate in my mind, ability So whenever I have some downtime, put up work in public space. And I think that's mm. such a valuable thing for me because so many of my artist friends build up to these gallery shows and then have these big lulls and find it like yeah. very, I don't know, taxing as a result of those highs and lows. <laughs> um, but I'm going to be doing just that it's coming up so um 2026 is a new gallery in bondi uh and i don't usually do a lot of shows but i do have these like oceanic abstractions that i really enjoy making Mm. um and they are definitely more for like a white cube gallery context um so yeah um they've uh decided to include me in a new group show they've got coming up unfortunately it was cancelled
0: um because
1: of the covid restrictions for early january Mm -hmm. but hopefully they'll be um unrestricted soon enough and yeah we can go have an opening night at 2026
0: and where is 2026? I feel it's like I should know this <laughs>
1: just on off Hall Street so there's like Bangkok Bites
0: yeah
1: like two doors down from that I believe fantastic yeah it's a lovely little spot Um I'm really excited to like get back in the like exhibition zone because yeah it's been a while nice
0: mm. oh yeah I'd love to come and have a look at that because I used to do shark photography I don't know if I've told you oh, that. No, I used yeah. to be a shark photographer amazing so yeah any sort of underwater photography I am there that's my thing
1: okay just not so, there with the sharks for me but
0: <laughs> there you go well, I, I don't want to see them on a surfboard I just want to see them when I'm underwater okay but, when you can
1: look at them and yeah them and from then you can chase you. them <laughs> <laughs> oh that sounds oh. terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> no it's great it's
0: great um, well look Cam thanks so much for joining me it's been a pleasure talking to you um and lovely hearing about all your projects so thank you so much well
1: same to you that was really lovely
0: Thanks for listening to The Well Podcast. I'm Michelle and I'm a brainwave and reconnection coach. I work with people who are ready for something new by helping them rediscover what they really want to do and supporting them to redesign their work life to one they love. If you're considering a work evolution of your own, my gift to you is my free roadmap and workbook, Should I Leave My Career? This roadmap signposts the exact journey I took to leaving my career and will help you kick off yours. You can find the link in the show notes. And if you're keen to build your fuck off fund, pre-register to join my free masterclass coming shortly. The link is also in the show notes.